Welcome back to Hold the Gravy Podcast. Thank you for joining me for episode six. My name is Hunter Romero. We are deep into the year 2021. Today we are down here in South Louisiana. For those of you that have been with us the last couple of weeks, thank you for listening to the Gumbo Sessions live from New Iberia. Today I bring to you a new series of interviews that we recorded also in New Iberia, Louisiana. We were set up for a couple of days at the Bayou Tesh Museum and we were partnering with them and their new Smithsonian exhibit titled Waterways. This first guest, I'm very excited to bring you. He is one of the most knowledgeable people that I've ever had the honor of of sitting with and discussing anything Louisiana seafood and agriculture and has really done a lot of great things for this region over the years to continue bringing it to the people and bringing it safely to the people and making sure the products are right and making sure our ecosystem is taken care of in the process. He works with LSU Agriculture. I mean, this man lives the life of the Louisiana sportsman. He has his house right tucked up behind a bayou and a long span of woods. And he says that he can hear just about any animal that he wants just walking out the back door of his house. And, uh, you know, you got to be a special kind of person to really commit yourself to the elements down here in Louisiana, not live in the city, but live deep, deep into the countryside. He's a man that's taking care of our wetlands and protecting what we have left of our bayous and our swamps. He works with a team of people at LSU that does some really amazing things for this state and we can't thank them enough. And we hope to talk to more of his colleagues from LSU ag on this podcast in the future and, and really see what they have to say about a lot of different topics involving uh, coastal restoration and such. But today I bring you a very special interview from Mr. Thomas email that was recorded at the Bayou Tesh Museum. Thomas is a very good friend of our co-host, Mr. Wendell Verrett, on this series. So it was great to hear them discuss, just like they're in the backyard, hanging out, you know, like best friends do. And uh, and I'm honored to sit alongside of both of these gentlemen. And as I mentioned in the episode, we are a podcast on the go, so I do apologize for some rookie mistakes that I made in this series involving some mic stands and involving a battery-powered recorder that actually shut off on me in the middle of Thomas's interview. So I do apologize in advance for losing him on one of his explanations, but Hopefully you can forgive me and continue to listen and continue to witness me get better at this. So once again, thank you so much fans for trusting me and clicking on hold the gravy. 
Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Thomas Emel. comfortable we don't have a microphone catastrophe again but um yeah this has been this has been a good space i think to to hold a a, a podcast series We're, we've kind of started as a podcast on the move a little bit okay which yeah, um, i'm glad we figured that out that was yeah <laughs> yeah it's it usually mind is racing now <laughs> Right. What we can do. Right, right. And we were uh oh thank you so much. Oh, you sweet girl, you. And we uh we Len- were in Lennon. We were in New Iberia at a very loud festival and this setup still worked and it was okay. it was pretty it was pretty fun, you know. I think it's it keeps the conversation sort of interesting and uh ironically I felt like we were having some pretty intimate talks, even yeah. in, in a pretty wild environment of a of a gumbo cook-off but yeah. um, it made a great background it really did know. yeah it really did but thomas thomas himmel am i saying that right it's email email almost like email but email. okay email german name german coast i was gonna ask yeah, yeah. i didn't i didn't know if it if it yeah. came there yeah or. it's yeah german german background and then we have the, the emails like down the street, but it's H-I-M-E-L, right? It's the same people. There it is. It's uh. H-I-M-E-L, it's H-Y-M-E-L, it's H-I-M-M-E-L. They're all the same people. Huh. All the same family. And you've, you and your family have been in Louisiana your uh, whole life? Yeah, my whole life. Well, my father was, uh, my father was military. Is, are we recording this now? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I kind of... <laughs> I kind of surprised the, yeah. <laughs> the intro, the roll in, you know. Yeah, okay, yeah. So my, my father grew up on a sugarcane farm down on the Mississippi River uh, near White Castle. And so they grew rice and they grew uh, sugarcane and it was just a, a subsistence farm, you know, 11 kids and 11 kids next door. So between my, my grandfather and his brother, there were 22 children. Wow. Right, right there. So. Uh, yeah, great stories, and I remember those days. And but my, uh, I grew up actually. My father left left the farm when he was 18 and joined the military, and he was all over the world. And and so I didn't actually come back to live in Louisiana. I wasn't born in Louisiana until I came to graduate school at LSU to learn fisheries, and uh, and I started working in the state in 1985. And I've been here ever since. I don't know how many years that is. It's 35, 36 years. I've been working, uh, doing uh, extension work for LSU Ag Center and the Louisiana Sea Grant Program. So, Tom, did, growing up, did you, and I, I assume you did, but you spent a lot of time hunting, fishing outdoors. Oh, and and that's yeah. what, that was a big part of of what you did and what you enjoyed, and that led you to, to what you do today? I think so. I had a... I had a I had an uncle that was a hunter, my uncle Roy, Roy Russo from uh, down at uh, uh, near Pankerville, Louisiana, where my mother grew up. And and he was a he was a fisherman. He was a rabbit dog hunter. You know, he, he did all that. And I just I, that just consumed me. I just could I, I, I just waited for the time in my life where I could get 
get engaged in in all of that. And my my mother's father, my papa Roy, he was uh, he was a woodsman. He he worked in the days when they were cutting the big cypress timber. Uh, he worked in the sugar mills. Even worked uh, down in Cuba as a sugar boiler and made the circuit uh, in Cuba and in. Uh, Puerto Rico, and he spoke English, French, and Spanish, and all of that. So, uh, really rich heritage uh, with my people on my mother's side, my father's side, German and French, and also, and I and I just loved when we would come from our. We lived as kids. We lived in uh, we lived in the Philippines. We lived in South Carolina, Oklahoma, Mississippi, all these different places. But it was during the holidays where we'd come back and visit in Louisiana, and I said, boy, if I ever get a chance to live there, I'm going to do it. And so I did, and I've been here now working for 35 years for the university, and, I, and I'm out there in it and loving it and working with the most wonderful people, uh, the fishing industry, the aquaculture industry, the seafood processors, and and wonderful people like Wendell at the port and all the projects and things that we do together. It's just a Louisiana is a really really special place. And that's that's why we're starting this whole podcast, man. Really, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like we're in the right place and yeah. talking to the right the right person. Yeah. And, uh, well, I tell you, it's like you don't you can't come down here as a tourist and really see it. And the most beautiful parts of it are, uh, are seen by water. So when you get in a boat and you go to Marsh Island or you go into the interior of the Atchafalaya Swamp and you go in, uh, you know, all of that, it's just, and here you go offshore fishing and you go a hundred miles out and you're catching tuna. It's just this rich, rich, rich place. And, and the culture here, and it's such a mix you know, we've got the Cajuns, we've got the Croatians, we've got the Laotians, we got the Vietnamese. Uh, you got we just it's it's a it's a it's a true melting pot here along the coast. And and for me and my work, I've been fortunate to be able to work from one end of the state to the other and inland up into the so I see the oyster I work with the oyster people, the the fishermen that are catching black drum, the catfish people, the shrimpers, the crabbers, and you name it. And then up, we go up the river, and there's all these rich fisheries for, for catfish and buffalo fish and Asian carp, and you name it. So we have this endless, uh, renewable natural resource that makes Louisiana the largest seafood state in the nation only after Alaska. I mean, we are it. And this is where, this is where it happens down here. It's just this rich estuaries and uh, marshland full of alligators and birds. And you go out in it and it's just, it's just amazing. You can go from here. Uh, I mean, we're in Iberia Parish here, which is a coastal parish. And you can go right not far from here and you'll find bears. You'll find uh, any kind of animal, <laughs> raccoons, minks, otters. You go to Marsh Island and there, there's big alligators out there, 10, 12 foot alligators. And they come right up to your boat while you're fishing and want you to give them something. You know? <laughs> so, 
So that's that's the kind of place this is. It's it's uh, it's for somebody that really wants to be in the outdoors and see some cool stuff and live it. I mean, you can you know here we eat everything. So yeah, it's happening. It's not it's not like we're really doing our, it for for. I mean, it is for sport, but we're we're eating it like yeah, you're saying. Yeah, I mean, and we you we kind of realize we're different because our coast is such a, a marsh environment, such a large wide span that is marshland. And you don't have that in other states. You don't have it, which is what makes us, you know, they call us uh, the nation's wetland. It's uh, you think of Louisiana and you think of beaches. Well, we don't have that. You know, we have a few areas that have some sand, but it's not like what you imagine like in Florida, there's a few places uh, in the western part of the state, and then we have some barrier islands that have some sand edges to that. But most of it is just wetlands, and when you fly over it, it's like endless. You, you fly from New Orleans to Houston, you, fly, you typically fly over it, and you're looking down there, and you see all of that, and all these winding bayous and canals and waterways, and it's what makes uh, what makes... It's what drives the seafood production that makes it uh, makes us so productive. You know, we're the largest producer of shrimp in the nation, largest producer of crabs, blue crabs in the nation, largest producer of oysters in the nation, and on and on and on. And crawfish, we catch wild crawfish. We grow it in rice fields, and and uh, and and it's just a. It's an industry that is just uh, crawfish has just exploded. It's everywhere. You can you can you can buy crawfish, frozen whole boiled spice Cajun crawfish now in Walmart. It's all over the country. So it's a, just a huge, rich place. You know, you think of what makes it happen. We have a we have a mild climate here. We we get some freezes in the winter, but not, not usually too bad. Uh, we can grow citrus here. You know, so I've got a yard. I've got a I got a fish pond with my own fish. I've got pecan trees. I've got citrus trees. I've got cattle. Uh, you know, we're not really worried about the, the food chain here. We I mean, you know, we've got it. We and that's how a lot of people still live. You know, country people. I came from country people. Very self reliant. Uh, all, all of that, and, and that continues uh, out where I live. And so we, we, uh, we love it. You know, I don't know that I could live somewhere else. And the, the water resources here, if you look at a map, you look at the Chafalaya Basin, you look at all the little rivers and bayous and places down here, coast, you could go fishing a different place every day of your life and never, never really take in all of Louisiana. Most people stay in certain areas that they're used to. Like I like to go fish in Marsh Island because I've got my honey holes. I know where to go. But there's the whole state is just like that. There's endless, they call it the sportsman's paradise. It's hunting, it's fishing, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's all of that. Like, for instance, I got, this is the kind of phone calls I get. So I got a call from my buddy Steve Buto the other day. When it's hunting season, he, he's retired now and he hunts almost every day. He said, uh, and, and I have pecans. And they love pecans, so we do this trade. He says he, he says uh, he's got magic pecans. He can turn them into a pig or a deer. So he'll kill. Like the other day, he called me. He said, "Hey, I got. A, I, I'm in the woods right now. I just got a pig. I said, you want him? 
I said, well, yeah, I want him. Well, yeah, bring that to my house. So he brings it to over there and drops it off, and then I'm going to give him some pecans here real soon. So I got my pig, and he'll probably bring me another one. And then uh, I know I'm going to get a deer, so I'm always going to get a deer. So so then I, I said, stop what I'm doing and get my tractor and hook that pig up and hang him and skin him out and right now he's cooling in my refrigerator so i got a about a hundred pound hog <laughs> laid up sounds like you're trading up yeah, you know yeah you're leveling up <laughs> you that, feel like you feel like those traditions were kind of obviously instilled in from your from your parents yeah and, and their just grandparents how pe- yeah and, it's just how people do you have your circle of friends and uh, and it's it's uh, the culture down here is very family oriented. Your family and friends you typically grow up with. I mean, I didn't grow up around here, but I working in the same place for all these years, working with farmers and those kinds of people and fishermen. Uh, well, I met all those people and we became good friends. Like even Wendell here, the port, <laughs> the port director, you know, he, hmm. I'm probably one of his best friends. <laughs> you are. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> On Hold the Gravy podcast. <laughs> yeah, 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 Hold the Gravy. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful place to be, and my kids love it here, and uh, I've got four children, and they're all here, still living here. And this is the kind of place where, where uh, a lot of people stay. You know, they stay. They might go away for a while and go take a, take a job in Houston or Dallas or something, but, but they want to come back. You know, they want to come back to it. And living in the country, now that's that's what I like. When I when I, I live out in the country, when you look like they're cutting the sugar cane right now, so the sugar cane is maybe ten foot tall, and they cut it down. When you look north from where I live, you don't see another house for five miles. There's nothing but woods and fields and all of that. So when I get up in the morning, and I live on a dead end road. There's no sounds. There's nothing but the birds. There's nothing but living in the country, you know, the good life, the, the good life. And so I feel like I live in a park, you know, and I have my own little place. And when I go home, people talk about their happy place. Well, that's my happy place. So when I go there, uh, you know, I can just stop and then just enjoy the garden or catch some fish from the pond or like today, I picked some oranges for a friend of mine who really likes navel oranges, and so I have a tree full, and I picked them and brought them over there, and uh, and then I was messing with my strawberry patch this morning. I planted a hundred strawberries because uh, we are mild winters here. You can grow almost anything, you know. Right. We, we have a we have a uh, you can grow broccoli, cauliflower, onions, all that stuff during the winter months, and in the summer we grow other things. And I grow okra. I grow a lot of okra. I cook okra and vacuum pack okra. They call it smothered okra, and they use it in gumbos here. And I pack it and I sell it. So I sell it at the market, the farmer's market there in Delcom and in other little places. But people know they call me the okra king. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of the things, Tom, that we've we've been doing, uh, and, and I guess we kind of take it granted but just a simple process of vacuum packing a product extends extends the life of it and then you combine it with refrigeration and freezing we see it everywhere but it really is an innovation to where we can experience uh, you know fresher tasting food as opposed to let's say 
canned things or just, you know, f- frozen things that, that are not vacuum packed. Oh, yeah. In fact, yeah, vacuum packing is, and you're seeing it more and more often. You got these little home sealers that vacuum and pull, pull a vacuum. But the products that we have hel- are helping people develop, everything is frozen, everything is vacuum packed and frozen. So, vacuum packed catfish fillets, vacuum packed oysters, frozen. It allows us to to pack things away during the peak of production and sell them during the time of year where there's maybe more of a demand. And so that allowed us to build the whole product uh, uh, collection that that are that is sold through the Louisiana Direct Seafood Shop. So everything there is when you take a, when you hand, it's all called cold chain management. When you catch it and you ice it and you clean it fast in the processing plant, then you vacuum pack it and you freeze it quickly. It's like fresh product. In fact, I took a piece of uh, of amberjack, which is an offshore fish, a commercial fish, and a recreational fish, and I I, I had it labeled 2019. And I took it out and opened the bag, and you smell it, and it smells like ocean water. And I cooked it, and it was just like it had been caught. So, so frozen, frozen vacuum packed is like the premier method for producing a really, really high end product. So, we uh, we have created a whole series of products that are on the seafood shop uh, website that are all done this way, and they keep a long time in the freezer. Normally, we we try to use things frozen within a year, uh, but with this technology. It really is a super, super premium. So, well, I want it fresh. Well, you know, fresh, fresh means a lots of things. But if it's done, if it's if it's kept cold on the boat, then it's processed and frozen. Sometimes that's better better than if you get it where it's been laying on the boat or in ice for a week. You know, yeah, right. it's not frozen. I mean, it's not. It's 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 called you know because it wasn't frozen. They call it fresh. Well. A lot of times, frozen is much, much, much better than than a, than a fresh product, depending how uh, depending how you're processing. But but those are the kinds of things that we teach, you know. So I'm with the university, and so we teach commercial fishermen and small mom and pop processors, and even big processors, these various techniques, so that we can do more things with our seafood and make more money with it, and and keep that industry economically sustainable for years and years to come. So. We're building and working with with uh, with different different uh, fishermen that then become processors. We an example, an example right here. We've got a guy. He's like the fisherman's fisherman here in Vermilion Bay. His name is Douglas Olander. They called him Big D. And if you met him, you'd see why he's this big, tall guy, and he'd rather work than eat when he's hungry. And he works all the time. And he said, "You know what?" He said, "I, I and he fishes for black drum." So black drum is uh, yeah you look for you, so black drum is a really tasty eating fish. It's like redfish, same family. And uh, he said, I wanna, I want to pack my own fish instead of selling all my fish to the fish buyers in New Orleans that then cut it, process it, and sell it to New Orleans, uh, sell it to the restaurants. I want to pack my own and and retail it. And so we showed him how to do that, and he took. He took a fish that uh, that he, he created a demand for his own product that he can't even keep up with, you know. So Black Drum, we were the first ones working with him to put Black Drum in a vacuum pack bag, uh, 
under a branded label called uh, Vermilion Bay Sweet Black Drum Wild Fish. And it has a, a, a following. We can't get enough of it. We're out of it right now. And we need some. So it's not only Black Drum. So Douglas built a, built a side business out of that. He fishes uh, his son's fish. And he's got a whole group of fishermen that fish out of his dock. And they bring in, he might come in with 1,000 pounds, 1,500 pounds of black drum. And he's taking some of that and selling it to the, to the big buyers in New Orleans. And they're, most of them are in, in New Orleans that distribute to restaurants. But he's cutting some of his own and selling it retail and to local restaurants here. So, uh, and there's other examples like that. But vacuum packing is what made that successful. So we're doing, we're doing black drum, we're doing catfish, wild catfish. I mean, wild catfish. There's several kinds. That's a whole story in catfish. It's like the underutilized species that we have in this state. Is all these rivers, all these coastal areas, these marshes. These catfish inhabit the whole coastal zone from, from brackish to fresh and then inland. You know, if you look at Louisiana, you see the... You see the Chafalaya River, the Mississippi River, the Pearl River, the Sabine River. Uh, all of these places are loaded with catfish. And there's commercial fishermen that are fishing and making a living catching these fish out of all of these places. Yeah, and that's one of my pet peeves is when, when you go to a restaurant, most of the time the catfish is imported catfish. Um, and you can tell... Uh, because it doesn't turn opaque as opaque as a wild catfish when it when it's cooked, um, and and it, it tastes fine. I mean, it does, but um, it, it just you know behooves me that uh, or, or would behoove our industry if we could. Uh, educate the public a little bit more on, on what they're eating and what they're getting and um, you know it's not, not, not don't get me started on shrimp because yeah. that's that's a whole nother that's a whole nother battleground but catfish uh, we have like Tom is saying you know plentiful wild wild caught catfish and and yet the industry or the service industry resorts to to import it it just drives me crazy so it's uh, so it's something that we're working on, and uh, there is an economic development component to tied to further development of of uh, catfish harvest and processing. And so it's just it, it is it's all driven by consumer demand. And the big change that we're seeing now out in the world of seafood is that people can go online and order things to their door. So that allows marketing opportunities to hit that through social media and and thus the 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 Louisiana Direct Seafood Shop is really what's all that that's, that's what it's all about is getting the best in local seafood with the stories behind it. You know, who are these people that are catching this product that's showing up at your house in uh, Missouri? You know, where's that coming from? Here's you know, there's there's all these people down here doing that and, and and so people are becoming so much more conscious about what they're eating where it came from who caught it all of that that's 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 that wasn't the case 10 years ago but it is now yeah and, and you know, we have to distinguish ourselves from uh other 
other seafood companies that sell to the consumer, but it's, you know, highly processed food. It's not like, you know, we're, this comes straight from our fishermen. Uh, and a, a lot of these others, it's, it, and you can notice it um, because it's portion size. So there's factories that's cutting up this fish into portion size. And uh, when you order fish from us, it's, it's the whole filet. I mean, it, we, we just can't portion it up. But uh, especially with uh, shrimp, uh, that, I mean, you can just tell the difference. I, I ate some shrimp the other day. I made the mistake of ordering shrimp. Uh, and I've told myself I'm not going to order shrimp from restaurants because I know where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. And somehow I just forgot about that. And when I tasted the shrimp, it had that rubbery, non-opaque kind of texture. And I said, oh, my God. And it, it just has no flavor mm -hmm. compared to, you know, the shrimp that we pack that's just, uh, you know, hand-peeled and, and not processed. Uh, it, it really does make a difference, but, but the public doesn't, they can't make that distinct, uh, distinction. Well, there's so much information out there. So how do you, you know, how do you educate the public and all that? So if you want to learn about uh, Louisiana seafood industry and how it works, the various fisheries, you can go to, we actually have a, a really robust website that we put together called Louisiana Fisheries Forward. And go to the information page there, and there's a whole list of fact sheets, and there's a whole list of uh, videos that, I mean, these are Nat Geo quality videos about, about the freshwater sector, about shrimping, about crabbing, about oysters. You can see, you know, we go on the boats, and you know, we put all these together over the last several years, and you can learn about it. Like, you can see what's going on, go out on the boat with the people, and it's, it's, uh, it was made to teach... Uh, commercial fishermen best handling practices so that they can do a better product. But you can learn as a consumer what's going on out there and see, see how shrimp are caught, see how oysters are done, see how they're processed, see all of those kinds of things. So louisianafisheriesforward.org, and you look at the information page. And you, you know, obviously working with, with the LSU Ag for, for so long, is that, is that projects that y'all funded to not only inform the fishermen but inform the general public who's possibly looking into the differences of of what their favorite shrimp meal is at their favorite restaurant compared to what they can order you know freeze-dried over over the mail at, at louisiana direct seafood so so the the information we put out is really industry oriented because that's our mission so we're about we're about teaching and uh, economic development, business development. That's, that's what we do at the university. That's our job. And so there are other groups like the Louisiana Seafood Promotion and Marketing Board that put out other marketing uh, materials uh, and all about the industry. But there's great stuff out there. If you just go online and look and do search about Louisiana seafood, you can learn. You can, you can get into some really good information. And so... You know, we have, we have the largest fishery in the lower 48 and thousands of commercial fishermen. So we put on educational meetings. We hold a fishery summit every other year in New Orleans in a big convention center where we bring equipment. We do show and tell demonstrations, all of that. 
And then we have a whole staff of, uh, of people like myself. We call ourselves Marine Extension Agents who work in all the coastal parishes. So there's, uh, you know, so there's, we're out there engaging the fishermen where they are. So that's our mission is to bring the university to the people, and that's what we do. And so if it's something regarding seafood or seafood, uh, a seafood issue or a seafood training or, or a commercial fishing thing, we're involved in it. You, you can look, you, you don't have to look far and you're going to find us in the back room or in the background or maybe right up front putting it on. So a lot, a lot of that is, is what we do. So, and we just see more and more opportunity here, especially in seafood development and value added, you know, Primarily, we've been in the past in Louisiana a producer of raw seafood protein that gets shipped out other places that where they do value-added, further value-added packaging, that kind of thing. But that's starting to change, and it's happening not so much with the big, big packers, uh, but with the small mom and pops are coming up with these, with these products that are out there now showing up in the marketplace. And I was talking with... Uh, with a with a one of the seafood godfathers uh that is you know he's retired now but he was looking at what we're doing with these with these small small processors and helping the and helping bringing them online and he said you know that's the way to do this that's the that's the way of the future because they're small and nimble and they they can uh they can innovate because they're not invested in a a big factory that does one thing, they can do different things. And so we're seeing more and more of that. And that's that, in fact, to, to, to back that up, uh, I, I, I work out of a place called the Iberia uh, Research Station here in the parish, which is a, an experimental farm uh, that belongs to LSU Ag Center. And we just got the word yesterday that we got the go ahead to set up a seafood processing demonstration laboratory there where we can put all of our equipment that we've collected over the years and put it in there and have it where we we have people that need to learn how to vacuum pack need to learn how to fillet buffalo need to learn how to uh, use a bandsaw to cut garfish uh, or you know any of those things even doing smoked fish that's kind of a new thing down here we have all that equipment, and we're going to be able to demo it. So I think over the next, in the next, within the next year, we're going to have that online, and we'll be creating videos there. We'll be doing uh, field days there, educational meetings where people come in and learn how to do a thing. They, I want to do this, just like Douglas Olander wanted to vacuum pack his black drum, you know. And so now we'll have a place where. Uh, we can do something like that, and even even Wendell uh, at the port, they have uh, they have they're building on that same concept with a project that they're going to have coming online. Yeah, and that's uh, we kind of progressed. You know, we we have this timeline of of uh, things that occurred with with our local seafood, and so once we started shipping uh, seafood products, we we. Uh, you know, notice there's, there's, there's several Cajun food type uh, product lines that are out there that, that people across the country just, just love, from the stuffed chickens to the turduckens or, you know, you name it. So we said, well, why don't we do a seafood prepared product um, and ship 
start shipping a line of those. So that's that's our next project. It's uh, we're referring to it as a seafood hub. It's kind of kind of a combination of you know a product line and a shared kitchen with local producers that want to come in and have a place to to prepare and pack their their product because we don't we don't have that now and it's very costly to get into a health permitted kitchen and start processing this stuff it's 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 not uh, easy to get into and so uh we saw a need to to be able to provide that and uh um, Jeff Stewart of uh, UL uh, Marketing Department um, has been work uh, or did a supply chain study, uh, feasibility study started in in our area and then expanded to the state, and they identified some of those needs of our, our seafood industry and what we've been lacking. So, so this is a little project that that we really have been in, in need of you know uh, and hopefully it'll provide opportunities for these small operators these micro processors uh, going forward um, but it all started with with buying shrimp off the boat you know hmm. we decide we we want let's let's do something for the shrimpers uh let's let's make it public to you know where they're selling and and how the public can get into it and and it was really like tom um you know we saw how this took off i mean the first year we did people were lining up on the docks with their ice chests and they wanted this fresh product so so badly i mean there was is like a pent-up demand i mean it just went it was nuts and the next logical step is okay well there's people further away that want this product and you just can't you can't ship fresh shrimp, you know. Maybe some other species, uh, crabs or whatever, you can you can ship ship. It's it's uh, ship fresh, but it's it's highly it's risky. So the next step was to pack it, freeze it, and vacuum pack it, and uh, and so that's how we kind of progressed to that. And I mean. People that buy fresh product, they're gonna take it home. They're gonna peel it, and they're gonna they're gonna put it in the freezer anyway. Right. So we're we're kind of saving that step for the people in the Midwest and the people in California. We we have great customers coming out of California, uh, which is kind of crazy to me. But um, because they, to me, they have a lot of seafood there. I don't know what the deal is, but. Um, there's also a lot of people that are from Louisiana that are in these other places, especially California, and they want what you know. Yeah, they miss they, home. They're missing what what they used to have at home. Uh, so that's that's kind of the, the logic that we kind of stepped into, and it, it just it just keeps growing. It just opportunities just keep opening up. So and, when uh, when did the four ports start working together into into one big louisiana direct shop well that was uh the idea was uh and i i don't even remember how many years ago that was wendell but 10 years well we started delcom direct in in 10 so been 10 so years, it, it was maybe shortly before 
we opened the the market in 13 so it was somewhere in there between so, 10 and 13. so at the time that uh, that we started doing direct marketing uh, we created first the delcom direct seafood project it was the first one and we had gotten some grant money uh some federal grant money to be able to to, to do that and the port kick, pick, kicked in some money and we got it going here in delcom first and then the idea worked so well is that uh, other areas across the state wanted to do the same kind of a thing. So we call, we created the program called Louisiana Direct Seafood, and we had these four different zones. And so there are more zones than they are ports. So we had Cameron Direct, which was on the western side, Texas area. Then we have Delcom Direct, which is, you know, moving eastward. And so that was Vermilion, Iberia, St. Mary Parishes. Then we had something called La Terre Direct, which was Lafouche and Terrebonne Parishes as we moved further east. And then we had uh, South Shore Direct, which was everything uh, east, uh, east, further east of there from Jefferson Parish across to uh, St. Bernard Parish. And look, these are all very different areas. You go, you know, even the accents of the people aren't the same. Right. right? You go to you go to St. Bernard Parish and you talk like uh, ah you come to the parish. I mean you know they're from there the way they talk. That's just how it is. So we kicked that off and uh, and and got it rolling and it's it's been evolving, ever changing. Back when we first started, there wasn't much Facebook. Okay, it was just this what we were doing. We had a website. We did fishermen's profiles. You could see who you you could you could make a connection with the fishermen directly. And that's how we did it, and we just turned it loose out there. We would post when a fisherman was coming in to Delcom. Uh, often we might say how many pounds of shrimp they said they had on their boat. And boom, when that boat hit the dock, there were people waiting, always. Sometimes, sometimes the line was, uh, you know, 100, 100 ice chests deep. You know, people <laughs> lined up there, and it's been longer than that, but... The response to that, being able to buy off of the boat, was just blew us away. And so that word got around quickly uh, in other parts of the state. And, and so it's really become normal now that lots and lots and lots of product are sold direct because it helps the fishermen. There was a lot of pushback, of course, from the, from the docks and processors that didn't like the competition. But uh, the, the thinking in Delcom of the the port commission there was look if our boats can't survive there'll be no industry right and it's they got, were they were getting the full business before this was even created i mean they were buying they were, they all were, of the fish off they of the were buying everything i mean there was always somebody selling direct to their friends and all but it wasn't anything like what we do now we have some fishermen that's only place they do sell is direct you know you think of think of mm -hmm. the little man on his boat you know he's mm -hmm. got they're almost like they almost have like a cult following you know a little man's coming in and who you get your shrimp from well i get mine from uh i get mine from this boat or i get mine from that boat you know and then, so it's like that so it's, it's exciting it's yeah. like and these and these boats come in and the people are there and they stand in the heat and with their ice chest and they're talking in line just waiting to get that ice chest full of shrimp and you and you see it come off of that boat into your cooler and you say wow i really got me a prize here you know? <laughs> and they don't care what it costs you know and yeah and it's, it's still cheap i mean when our, our most expensive shrimp that you can buy head on is maybe five dollars a pound i mean that's 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 cheap 
you know, it's it's a lot more in the grocery store. But there you get this beautiful, pristine, you know, sixteen twenty to the pound, you know, four fifty five dollars a pound. And you're looking at it and you're thinking all the ways I'm going to be able to use that. I'm going to take those shells and those heads. I'm going to make a stock. I'm going to freeze that. I'm going to make a gumbo. I'm going to get some of that, uh, some of that guy's uh, okra king smothered uh, okra and put in my shrimp and okra gumbo. You know, all of that, you know. Creative. Yeah, yeah, all, all, all of that. So we created a buzz with seafood here that has expanded to other parishes and and it's this thing is really rocking and going on so it's it's evolving and we're we're changing how we what the kind of things we focus on uh the fisherman direct to the consumer thing has exploded and and now that's mostly running through facebook and it's everywhere so uh, everywhere across the coast and, and and anything that these boats bring in an example Big D comes into the market one day and he's got a shrimp boat his boat is full of shrimp he's got these he's probably got three, 4,000 pounds of shrimp. And then he's got some big old garfish, six foot long garfish. I said, I wonder who's going to buy that. And he had them laid up on the, on the, uh, on the edge of the dock covered with ice. That was the first thing I saw a guy throw it over his shoulder and walk it out to his truck. He bought that garfish right then. You know, it's like, Garfish, you don't think about eating garfish, but that's 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 damn good eating, you know. A lot of meat. A lot oh, of meat yeah, on that. yeah. But, um, you know, with with shrimp, the way, you know, shrimp off the boat, the, the trick is they can't stay out there for a long time. And, and they have, so they, and their boats are not designed to go far offshore. So it's near shore kind of fishing. And, uh, that's not necessarily the best shrimping. It's it's affected by fresh water, and uh, once the, if the, the shrimp get and Tom can talk to this, the shrimp get pushed offshore, then those boats are not going to be catching. So it's not a ready supply uh, like we wish we had. I mean, it, we could sell everything you know that they could catch, and right. uh, so the the most of the the shrimp that are caught are far offshore on 90 foot what we call slabs uh steel hull freezer boats and they come in with i mean just ungodly amount of of shrimp and large shrimp but we can't you know if you're going to buy fresh shrimp off off the boat and by by fresh we mean not frozen yeah so on an ice boat so these inshore yeah. boats the inshore fleet is ice boats so an ice boat there's only so many days you can be out on an ice boat with head-on shrimp and usually that's about five days you know five days yeah. so so whereas the offshore fleet so we shrimp in louisiana seasonally in inshore waters and then we shrimp year-round out in the deeper offshore federal waters and all the offshore boats are freezer boats. So everything that's caught out there, put in, put in like onion sacks and then frozen in a brine, liquid brine freezer, uh, super cold brine, and then they store them up. They cut, might come in with 30, 40, 50,000 pounds of shrimp in a load. Whereas the inshore boats, you know, a good catch for them might be in five days, maybe 1,000 pounds a day. Yeah, yeah. So... Um this year this year now 20 was uh uh 20 year 2020 was affected by, by by covid um but they were still catching and selling uh 
Mostly but, online? No, they, they, were, they were buying off the boats. Okay. Uh, except they would, uh, instead of lining up, they would have to stay in their car. So the cars would line up, and literally the cars went across town. Wow. Uh, and yeah. and Crazy. people were wondering what, what's going on, you know, but that's what it was. So uh, they were catching, and so people still wanted shrimp. So they were lining up in their cars, stay in their cars so they get to the boat, then they would get out, and, and so that was that process. But 19, I'm, I'm sorry, 21, this year, 2021, they were not catching at all. And then we had, we had a storm in uh, 19, no, was that, no, we had storms in 20. So it seems like we, on we the always, west side, we can't yeah. keep track of the storm. We have some, yeah, Hurricane Laura, yeah. There was yeah. a few in 20. There yeah, a bunch. A, yeah. The, it's crazy, yeah. it's crazy along the coast lately, but, but go ahead. And then again in 21, we had Ida, of course, um, and they, even without the storms, though, they were just not catching the shrimp. There was a lot of uh snow melt a lot of rainwater coming down uh, the mississippi and the other tributaries and um they just could not catch any shrimp and so one talking about little man um his house was destroyed with with the storm and so he was obviously taking care of that and so he could not uh go shrimping and so all year we've just been struggling that every now and then a boat would come in but um that yeah, it's it was the worst in many many. I've never seen it since we started the program. It's never been this bad. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of things that that affects uh, the shrimp uh, from the economy to to the biology of the shrimp. But I mean, I tell you, it it was just unbelievable how bad it was. You know, all the river flooding that we've had that you've seen. Uh, anytime we get big high rivers that go late into the spring and that really impacts our estuary here and it becomes too fresh. So too much fresh water is not a good thing in when you're looking at uh, production of shrimp. So shrimp like a brackish water system and if it's not brackish, then it's not gonna be a lot of shrimp. And so we seem to get hit with that uh, pretty much here. Whereas you go east of us, east of us along uh, Terrebonne and Lafouche parishes, that's where the great big, I mean, that's where lots and lots and lots of shrimp come from because they don't get the fresh water that we get. So we, we catch, uh, you know, so in years when we don't have a lot of river runoff, we can have pretty good crops of shrimp here, but it's not the highest producing area in the state. And we can certainly sell a lot more shrimp here direct to the consumer than we can produce. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, I'm still amazed by the following we have. We have 20,000 followers on our seafood Facebook and almost that much on our market. And it's all driven by the seafood. Yeah. I mean, the, it, seafood is an easy sell. And um, it's just, a, just an amazing market. And, and I guess there's always, it's always one thing or the other. Either it's the supply or it's the, the, the demand. I, and I don't think there's one is better than the other to have. Uh, uh, but we definitely have a supply problem. Um, it seems that you just need to luck out and, and sort of get a balance yeah. on, a, on a good season where maybe the yeah. snow melt wasn't as, as extreme as, as, as it right. once was in, in, on the Mississippi River. And, uh, 
If you look at yeah, if you look at the you look at the Mississippi River drainage, I mean it's from the Rocky Mountains to the west to the Ohio River uh, and the Appalachians on the east, all the way up into Canada, and all that comes down here through us, all of it, all of it. That's which which builds our wetlands, but uh, in times of high water causes a lot of problems. You know, oysters don't like fresh water. Crabs don't like fresh water. Shrimp don't like fresh water. So that's that's but that's a natural system, and uh, we work with it. Fishermen move up and down the coast to where they're catching shrimp. These guys get in their boat and they're gone. They're gonna go, you know, they're gonna go to Cameron Parish. They're gonna go to uh, you know down below Dulac and Cocodri down in uh, Terrebonne Parish. And they move around and go where the shrimp are. That's what they have to do to make a living. Yeah, and you know, like the. The public doesn't care what your problem is. They just eat. They want the product. But uh, most, you know, just don't know. And you have to explain to them what, what's what the situation. But I, I found um, this year that they understand that. Uh, or somehow they got the message that um, shrimp are just not, not plentiful. And, you know, we'll get people from North Louisiana that want to come down, drive four hours to buy shrimp. And, and we're like, you might not want to do that. You know, and it's, it's tough to, to tell, to turn customers away. I mean, here are people, they'll buy hundreds of pounds of shrimp to bring back. And we have to tell them it's probably not the best time to do that, you know. And it's kind of funny. You can talk to my staff and they'll, they'll tell you. You tell some people, call, I mean, we get hundreds of calls a month, and they're looking for fresh shrimp mostly. Um, and we'll tell them, well, you know, we, we have no boats right now. And they want to know, well, when, when are you going to get a boat? Well, we don't know. <laughs> when are shrimp going to be in? Well, we don't know that. And we have to explain to them that we only know when they come, when they come into port. But it's like that supermarket mentality of well you know why not you know they just don't understand how and fresh shrimp dealing with fresh shrimp is is a unique kind of experience it's not a it it's not a retail store it's not a store you can they don't have business hours people want to know well when will they be selling they'll be selling when they have shrimp in the boat <laughs> and you know there's no hours it's it's they need to sell the shrimp. Yeah, when when the boats come in, it's it could be it's uh, when they're coming into the port of Delcom, it's seven days a week. It could be whenever whenever they come in, and they go out. It, these guys deal with all kind of things. They go out there. They might break down. They might have this. Might have that. They might go out and not, you know, not and come back with nothing. They might have a breakdown, and if so it's it's only like Wendell saying it's it's uh, it's when they've got them that's when they sell them you know yeah and but, it, but it's it's a it, it's a it's a it's a great thing to watch happen the excitement i was explaining earlier people lined up and chatting and and it's just to see that and not only that but the other things that they catch you know they'll catch crabs they'll catch a variety of different kinds of fish flounders black drum other things and they sell all of that you know all yep. of that all of everything that comes in gets sold people want all of it Oh, and crabs is another thing. Oh, God, let's don't talk about, yeah, crabs are. Crabs will evaporate as yeah. soon as we get it. I mean, they're just gone. It's, uh, and there are a lot of crabbers, um, 
and um, you know we have crab processing plants in Vermeen Parish, and they all do do well. Um, but live crabs is another thing; people just want them so bad. It's just it's just it's nuts. You can't. And here's the deal: is that with crabs, there's there's always a market for crabs because the crabs, the big crabs that are caught here. They call them the number ones. The big crabs, the big male crabs, are all shipped pretty much up to the northeast. Okay, so they go to Maryland, Baltimore, you know, all up in that area. So the east coast, and when you're eating Chesapeake crabs at a restaurant up there, you're most likely eating Louisiana crabs. So there's a trucking, there's a, there's a trucking, uh, there are trucks running day and night, back and forth, running crabs to the east coast. So every day, there'll be a truck that goes by each of the crab plants and picks up their graded out number one crabs that have been chilled in ice water and uh, you know packed in a in a in a box uh, in a, a wax wax box thirty pounds of crabs I think it's about thirty and and those will get consolidated from other crab docks across the coast. And they go up the East Coast, and that's how it works. And, and, and it's, it's crazy. You know, we, these number ones, like you're talking about, they pay an ungodly amount of money for those crabs. Yeah. So if that fisherman, and we get complaints from consumers, well, they, they're just being greedy by selling it. You know, we tell them they're selling to the north. Well, they're just being greedy. Okay, you're a fisherman, and we sell it to you for 20 uh, a dozen or whatever, and... Yeah, here's this bar going to pay you 35 And take everything you got every day you got them. And so that's the thing with crabs. Crabs don't have a, uh, uh, you know, they're alive. They're alive until they get where they're going. So it's not like you're going to. There's no shelf life. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they're, they, they're just a few days, just a few days. But they know how to do them and keep them. You can keep crabs maybe three, four days, five days maybe. But you got to do it just right. So they're caught here and they're shipped, you know, it takes a whole, they're caught, let's say they're caught on Thursday. Thursday night they go on the truck, they drive all night, they're up to the East Coast on Friday, and those things are cooked by Friday night and Saturday, they're, they're gone. So that's kind of the shelf life on crabs. And, uh, but, but like Wendell said, if you've got crabs, you've got crabs to sell, people are going to buy them. Because you, it's like hen's teeth, you can't find them. Uh, unless you know where to go, like me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can find I can find anything. But you gotta some. You can sometimes you have to be willing to drive and certain get ready because you got to pay for them. Yeah, that, that's a new podcast called Tom's Tips. <laughs> <laughs> Sour, sourcing seafood. Well, I only know because I've 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 had to go looking for different things for products for the for the project for Wendell. So. Uh, I've been able to meet lots and lots of different people that, that do things. And, and there are there are other other things like soft shell um, crabs. Oh yeah, um, gosh. I mean, that's a process to to get that crab to shed, and and you have to remove it as soon as it sheds because it starts to develop that paper shell. Right. So it's a very intricate process, and it goes on all night long. Right, so stop shedding, uh, and and people wonder. The way they do it, the way they do it, the fishermen will catch what we call buster crabs, and they'll look at these crabs that they catch in their regular crab trap, 
and it'll have some coloration patterns on them that'll show that they know that this crab is going to shed within X number of days. So they call that a buster crab, and the guy that has a crab shedding system is just basically a circulating water life support. If you haven't visited our website, louisianadirectseafood.com, you really need to try it out. If you're a seafood lover, no matter where you are on this planet, you can select a region, you find fresh seafood near you, or you order straight from the Gulf, from, from any type of fish to crab to shrimp, it's, it's really some of the best quality seafood that you can order straight to your freezer. You can try out any dish on your own. The shallow trays that you put these buster crabs in, and they watch them, and they know that they're going to shed pretty soon. And when they, it's amazing how big they grow. You know, a crab, when a crab expands, you know, because crabs, like all crustaceans, shed their shells to be able to, uh, to grow. So they drop a shell, and then they fill up their new shell, and they keep going like that, and they, and they, they go through a molt, they call it a molt, many times during their life cycle. So soft shell crab is simply a crab that has shed its old shell, and now it's got a tender, a tender, tender new shell, and we pull it out of the water before it can absorb uh, minerals from the water, the calcium from the water to create a new hard shell. And that is something to eat. <laughs> that is amazing. So, and these guys produce them by the thousands. And, uh, and every now and then we're able to get some and we take those and vacuum pack them and freeze them. And it's like gold. Every, every soft shell crab that's produced has 10 people that want it probably more. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's one of the best sellers by, by far. Um, but we also discovered... I think it was last year, uh, soft-shell crawfish. And there's only one place in Louisiana that produces soft-shell crawfish. There used to be many of them, um, but in, they, they can't use, um, you know, pond crawfish because they, they're not as uh, durable. They can't, you know... Uh, the survival rate is much, much lower. So they use wild crawfish. So they have to wait for the wild crawfish season. And it's just the sacks of crawfish. They bring it in. They dump it in the tanks. And, and they gradually move them over um, and separate them out. And it's kind of the same thing. They can tell when uh, a crawfish is, is going to shed. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and, and they have to pull them out right away uh, or the other crawfish will eat them. Yep. Now, the thing about soft-shell crawfish is you can work during the day and you can sleep at night. They don't shed at night. And uh, so this, uh, this uh, gentleman in just north of Baton Rouge, um, and he, he vacuum packs them and, and, and sells them. Um, now they're not cheap, uh, but um, it's a tremendous product. I love it. I mean, it's just it's crazy, you know. Yeah, the thing about seafood, seafood is is not cheap. It's not cheap. It's not not at all. But you know, there's real bargains here. Like uh, when you can go get, let's say you're buying shrimp, shrimp for let's say four dollars a pound for 
a 21 25 count shrimp that's so that's 20 to 21 piece 21 to 25 pieces per pound and so that's five pounds say so so five dollars a pound but you turn that into if you peel that you're going to end up uh 10 pounds of 10 pounds of shrimp makes five pounds of meat so you know it's gonna you're gonna double your cost uh, so if it's five pounds you're paying for your shrimp, it's, your meat's going to be $10 a pound. But look what you got. You know, look at the price of steak today. I mean, that's like, what, crazy prices for that. Yep. So some, in, some cases, uh, in some cases, shrimp is cheaper than, a lot cheaper than chicken. Yeah. You know, the pr- yeah. price of things lately. I mean, it depends what grocery store, I guess, you're going to. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah, what all of that. So in a place where they produce it like we do here, seafood is a bargain. It's a bargain, and the quality is high, and the experience is wonderful, and, you know, it's a heritage thing. It's just part of what we do here. And our whole, uh, Wendell's, Wendell's role and my role with Ag Center, Sea Grant, and LSU is, is, to, is to, you know, talk about sustainability. It's a buzzword. You see that everywhere now. But that's what we're about. We're about keeping this industry going economically. Uh, the fisheries are managed in such a way that, you know, they'll never over harvest these things. And most of them are annual crops anyway, you know, crabs and shrimp and, 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 and oysters and all that. I mean, they produce millions and millions and millions of young. And so it's environmental conditions and all that really determine what the crop is going to be like. So we just got it going on down here and it's just a wonderful, wonderful industry to work in and, and I mean, Wendell's a lawyer, you know, and he he he'd rather do seafood than be a lawyer. And it's his secret. I'll tell you. <laughs> well, I don't want to, uh, you know, criticize my brethren in the law, <laughs> but yeah, I gave up my legal career to sell shrimp, but that's okay. There you go. There you go. <laughs> that's for another episode. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Tom, man, we can't thank you enough for for coming out to new iberia today oh, i love it i love doing this i love telling the story and so look for louisiana seafood or at least look for domestic seafood you know watch what you're eating look at those labels look you'll see where your product is coming from and, and support the u.s industry and support louisiana seafood gulf of mexico seafood you heard it here on hold the gravy from the man himself the man that's that's <laughs> okra king p- packing yeah the okra king is packing your ice chest for you <laughs> for your next outing yeah, okay. and then soon he'll give you uh, all of his tips on where to find <laughs> crabs and and all the good stuff and, there you go but thank you thank, thank you, you wendell yeah. for absolutely thank yeah. you bayou tesh museum for having us and uh we will we will see all of you soon here on the other on the other line and thank you for supporting hold the gravy podcast right. we're gonna finish this year out strong on december 4th i'll be at Delcom Seafood and Farmer's Market, setting up live, interviewing the vendors, eating the food, drinking the drink, seeing seeing what's going on down there. Hopefully the shrimp boats come in and everybody gets their fix. Visit LouisianaDirectSeafood.com to order fresh Gulf seafood any time of the day, anywhere on this planet. Thank you so much for listening. See you on the other side.